we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today on AFA at the Core. You can watch the live stream by going to the American Family Radio Facebook page and the AFA at the Core YouTube channel. Uh, Both of those places is where you can watch the show. Also, you can get the audio by going to our podcast page at AFR.net. And on our podcast page at AFR.net on our website is where we also post links to some of the relevant, uh, important topics and articles that we talk about today. Um, So that's at our website, AFR.net. But if you just want to catch the audio, uh, then you can get the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, uh, Apple, Android devices, all across the board. uh, We publish the podcast out there for you to consume. Uh, But the primary place is our website, AFR.net, and on the American Family Radio app. Um, A couple things for today. I've got uh, yesterday I ended the show um talking about uh the shot the the COVID-19 uh shot or the jab uh whatever you want to call it um but before we jump into that topic and I really want to wrap up uh that uh that I really opened a can I opened a can yesterday <laughs> uh going out of the show and I didn't get to close the top so we're going to do that this segment um Our verse of the week is out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Uh, This is uh, Proverbs 3, verse 7 and 8, a little bit different um, uh, version today than I typically bring in. But nonetheless, that's our scripture for the week, Proverbs 3, verse 7 and 8. Um, Jumping into... What I wanted to talk about. So yesterday, I ended the show talking about the shot, about the COVID nineteen shot, and about how it's not really a vaccine. It's not performing like a vaccine. And I pulled all of that from when you look on the FDA and the CDC website, and you look up the definition of a vaccine. Well, vaccines are clearly supposed to induce or bring about immunity to an illness. Uh, what does immunity mean? It means you don't fall ill with whatever said disease uh, that the vaccine is aimed against. Uh, well, these these shots are not performing like that. They're just not. And that's not a controversial, it shouldn't be a controversial statement. Um, it shouldn't be a statement that gets people angry. Um, that's just a factual statement about the reality of these shots. Um, now, are there other potential benefits to these shots? Maybe. We're kind of still looking at that data, um, but to call them and brand them as a vaccine and to sell them to the American public as a vaccine is just not true. It's not accurate, and they're not performing that way. Were they intended to perform that way? Yes, clearly. I mean, this is all about getting vaccines out there, but the reality is is they're just not doing the job that they were set out to do. 
Um, and that's a reality that really everyone should be willing to face right now uh, so that not just so that we can face that reality, but though, that we can look for alternative forms of treatment and, and preventatives. Well, a, a good news story out of the whole pandemic situation is that the uh, monoclonal antibody treatment, which has been around for some time, and President Trump actually took this when he was um, at Walter Reed uh, Medical Center, the, um, the treatment is an IV treatment. It's called, some people call it a cocktail, uh, but it's produced, at least one of the companies that produced it is Regeneron. Well, um, this treatment has shown very, very good results. And I would argue it really hasn't gotten as much publicity as it should get, considering the effectiveness of this treatment. Uh, this treatment is, is, is administered via IV to, uh, to patients. I hear it takes about 15 to 20 minutes um, to get this treatment. And this is a study um, that I pulled in yesterday, and I mentioned it in passing, closing out the show. But out of, let's see, this was a study of high-risk patients with at least one comorbidity, underlying condition. Some patients were given the placebo or the fake treatment, um, and this, so this is a controlled study. Others were given the real thing. And out of this entire study, there were uh, 291 high-risk patients who received the treatment, the real thing, zero deaths. Out of 291 high-risk patients, zero deaths for those who got the antibody treatment. The... um, when it comes to uh, the the people who did not um, get the antibody treatment, all five patients admitted to intensive care, uh, only one who died by day 29. So out of this entire study, one, one patient passed away, and that patient received placebo or did not receive the antibody treatment. Um, zero intensive care visits for those who received the treatment, four hospitalizations, uh, for those who receive the treatment. So only four out of 291 high-risk patients, only four hospitalizations. And uh, compared to 22 hospitalizations for those who received placebo. Nonetheless, all of the numbers for you there, um, the studies over and over again continue to promote and and shine light on the positive response to patients, high-risk patients who are getting this antibody treatment. And all the doctors that I'm reading, all the experts are saying, get it fast. Get it within a couple of days of getting COVID. Don't wait too long because there's a window there uh, where you have to get it. So that's good news. You're not going to hear that from Fauci or, well, actually, you've heard it from him once. But, you know, I checked on uh, the CDC director and all of their, their, their platforms, their Facebook pages and their Twitter pages, and, and they're hardly ever talking about treatment forms. All they're doing is talking about putting a mask on and getting the shot, which right now at this stage are probably the two most ineffective strategies at preventing COVID-19. Uh, they're not talking at all about uh, all these alternative forms of treatment that are proving very, very safe and effective. Speaking of alternative treatment forms, you know, ivermectin uh, and hydroxychloroquine have just gotten this bad rap for whatever reason. This is the weirdest scenario uh, where we have... 
of people, doctors, experts who know that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are perfectly safe to use. Um, they're coming out and just bashing ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, uh, saying, no, we shouldn't use it. No, we shouldn't use it. And this this uh, full-out assault on what has been a drug that has been around for 40 to 50 years, um, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's mind-boggling the 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 reasoning, uh, which I can't figure out why people are so opposed to uh, trying different treatment methods to try to fend off COVID uh, uh, disease, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, this is the American Medical Association. This is clip eight. Uh, the American, American Medical Association is now urging all doctors to cease using ivermectin for COVID-19 treatment. Let's listen. What is uh, the guidance you're issuing tonight and, and, and why did it come about? Chris, thanks for having me. Uh, you, you already identified our joint statement with the Pharmacist Association described. We're asking that we cease prescribing ivermectin for treatment of COVID-19 because it, it, we, we allow it in a clinical trial, but we do not want it prescribed outside of an established clinical trial. We can understand why folks are, are grasping at things such as these uh, novel treatments for in the middle of a pandemic for which there are not a whole lot of established effective treatments uh, in general, at least at the front lines. And so doctors should be cautious in their zeal to provide something for patients. I understand it's a laudable goal to try to help patients, but let's stay within clinical guidelines. Let's stay on the side of science and give safe, effective medications. And ivermectin has not been shown to be one of those to be effective for the COVID-19 virus. You want to talk about tone deaf. There are thousands of people dying across America every month because of COVID-19, because of the pneumonia induced by COVID-19. And the reason people are grasping is because there is nothing out there. They're not being told of anything that they can use to treat their family members, except for these few different items here. And so to, to, to talk about, to try to pull away treatment options for families, that's cruel. That's inhumane. And here's why. Um, this is from um, this is from c19early.com, c19early.com. And this is a, a page that has all these real-time analytics uh, when it comes to COVID-19 and the studies that are being done on treatment methods for COVID-19. Um, let's just look at how many studies have been done on ivermectin hydroxychloroquine, and remdesivir. And remdesivir, remember, is the expensive drug that they're using in all the hospitals to treat COVID-19 patients. And so that's that's being actually endorsed by the FDA for use in a hospital setting. Well, how many studies have been done on remdesivir? 21 studies, 35,000 patients. Oh, Walker, that's impressive. Wow, that's a lot of studies. <laughs> Let's get to ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, all right? So remember that. Remdesivir, the lauded treatment, um, is, is, um, has been studied 21 times with 35,000 uh, patients in those studies. Hydroxychloroquine, all right? Hydroxychloroquine, which is the drug that Dr. Vladimir Zelenko in New York has treated over 6,000 uh, patients with and has only had 14 hospital, I'm sorry, 30 hospital admissions 
and 14 deaths, and all 14 deaths were those with severe diabetes. Hydroxychloroquine has been studied for treatment on COVID-19 281 times. 281 studies have been conducted. These are not mom-and-pop studies. These are peer-reviewed clinical studies by well-renowned doctors and universities. 281. 407,000 patients have participated in hydroxychloroquine studies since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, what about ivermectin, Walker? You know, the horse drug? What about ivermectin? Because the FDA says nobody can use ivermectin. It's an animal drug. We can't use that. That's crazy. Okay, well, what about ivermectin? Well, ivermectin has had 63 studies, three times that of remdesivir, 63 studies on 26,000 patients, three times that of remdesivir. So ivermectin is being studied as well, and it's being studied by very well-respected, well-renowned universities and doctors around the entire world. All right, so this whole uh, a hoax that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are these back alley drugs that nobody should use and they're dangerous, that is simply false. It is simply false. And I don't know the motivation in these people to try to push these drugs away from people who need them. I don't know what their motivation is, but it's sick, whatever it is, because people are dying, they're hurting, and they need some kind of hope, some kind of treatment, and doctors are not allowing these, some doctors are not allowing these drugs to be used uh, when there is scientific evidence to prove they are safe and effective. Um, A little more evidence or a little more numbers on hydroxychloroquine. As I mentioned, 281 trials, 4,583 scientists involved in those trials, 407,000 patients. Ivermectin, 72% improvement for early treatment in patients. 72% early treatment, uh, improvement in early treatment for patients. So uh, this is crazy. I have this one other thing I'll mention. And that is out of the UK. I'll actually mention it after break. It's too good to try to rush. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. Check out our website, AFR.net, where you can find my podcast. And we'll be back in just a few minutes with more AFA at the core. What would it take for you to compromise your principles? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Recently, I heard a statement that went like this. I don't think principles matter if you can't get elected. Principles form the core of who you are. Principles form the foundation of a civil society. George Washington, in his farewell address, identified religion and morality as indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, George Washington said. It makes me think of a scripture. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his soul? What would it profit a candidate to gain an election but lose his principles? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Have you ever seen an x-ray of a toddler's hand compared to that of a seven-year-old? Upon inspection, a toddler's hand is still unformed, bones separated, and joints loose, while an older child's hand has more of a bone structure you'd expect to see. The visual is often used by occupational therapists to explain why a preschooler might not be able to hold her crayon steadily, despite her parents' best training efforts. Our kids grow physically, mentally, and spiritually in their own time. Is your girl behind where you think she should be? Scripture tells us there is a season for everything. Embrace the milestone she's hitting and celebrate her in this season. God has placed her in today while preparing her for what's to come. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy, where a man has many wives, and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles and Friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800-YES-WORD 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 or click sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Hey, if you were wondering what translation I used on my scripture of the week last segment, well, that was Walker's um, Walker's version. Um, yeah, Walker Standard Version, and I'm being—I'm just being transparent with you guys. All right, I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect, and sometimes I forget to bring in proper materials. Well, today was one of those days where I forgot to bring in my verse of the week, which I usually keep on my office desk all the time. Well, somehow it's got lost in the stack, so I came up, introduced the show, looked down for the verse, and it was nowhere to be found. All right. So what you just heard was me uh, bringing you the Walker version of Proverbs 3, 7, and 8. Bobby, do you like the honesty? Do you like the honesty? Well, it's like when I, when I forget my clips <laughs> and put them into the live. And so you just summarize and the I clips just, for Exactly. Us. I just tell Wesley, we'll just move along on that one. I'll put it in the podcast. <laughs> yes. So uh, nonetheless, the, the ESV version, which is typical, typically what I bring in, is Proverbs 3, 7, and 8, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Hey, in studio with me is my brother, Wesley Wildman. Hey, glad to be here. Hey, honesty is a hard pill to swallow, but it's good for the soul. Absolutely good for the soul. <laughs> good for, good That's for everybody. That's a right there. <laughs> that yeah. is a booyah. Hey, I wanted to wrap up uh, my last segment, and you can comment on this. Sure. Um, but I was talking about ivermectin, and... I came across this UK study 
that was published actually on, on our own NIH website where they publish all the uh, the reviews and the studies and the papers. And this is from 2017, all right? So this is for all this is before obviously before the pandemic and before all the political ideological mania that we're seeing going along with this pandemic. Um, so this is a group of doctors out of the UK and they published this in 2017 and here's the name of the paper. Ivermectin Old drug, new tricks. It goes uh, extensively for pages and pages just bragging about ivermectin, how great it is. And listen to this. I'm just going to read a few excerpts from this uh, UK study. Ivermectin is one of the most important drugs in veterinarian and human medicine for the control of parasitic infections and was, and was the joint focus of the 2015 Nobel Prize in Physiology for Medicine some 35 years after its remarkable discovery. It goes on to say that uh, ivermectin may have novel applications in the treatment and control of important human diseases. <laughs> well, I actually do read, so I went to the l- second to last page of this, like, 15-page study, and at the very, very end, these, uh, these doctors, these scientists, conclude in one of their paragraphs, by saying that ivermectin has also shown promise in the treatment of certain viral pathogens, a.k.a. things like COVID-19. So this um, uh, this uh, narrative that ivermectin is has never been heard of, it's a back-alley drug, nobody uses it, it's only for animals, uh, that's just flat-out false, not true. And I have multiple documents to disprove that theory. Yeah, I'm glad we got the white coat doctors and we've got those doctors that care enough about the the hard reality of what the um what we're experiencing and they're following the science, you know, and 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 vitamins and all that and because if we uh, only followed uh do we have a nickname for Fauci in here yet? I think Fauci yes, is, do. is a good enough nickname. <laughs> it's another fabism, but it's Fauci. Fauci oh, like okay. fraud? Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Well, Fauci, Fauci, you know, if you were following him or CNN or all the other ones, man, you would be just absolutely discouraged, and and you would think there would be no hope. And that's a good um, point. But but there there's there's a lot of good medicine out there. There's a lot of good research on the importance of vitamin regiments and things like that. that y'all know y'all have covered on this program, so mm-hmm. um, so praise God for them, and and thank you for that study. Yeah. Hey, there's a couple of things I wanted to get to in the short time I'm in here. And um, before I do, before I get to a, a, a word of encouragement and a, a, a court case that has fallen in the favor of uh, religious liberty and freedom and, um, the, and the Constitution, before I get there, I wanted to point people to our By Design update, and that's that we have a September challenge. Our September challenge for By Design is to invite you for those people, for our listeners, our supporters, the families, the truck drivers, the school teachers that live in the Jackson, Tennessee area. Jackson, Tennessee area. We will have an event there, a date night there in the Jackson, Tennessee area. You can go to afa.net slash by design, afa.net slash events. Either way, you'll find the information there. And we're inviting you as part of the date, as part of the by design challenge to come to our date night. Now, if you're not in that area, and you cannot come to the date night that we provide, our challenge for you is to take your spouse on a date and provide some flowers, take them out to eat dinner, uh, enjoy um, some conversation to and from the restaurant, 
and at the restaurant, we're asking you to take your spouse on a date for the month of September. Awesome. So if you can't do it on September 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th. September. I know it's already September. If you can't do it then, you can make – no one can make an excuse that over the next four weeks yeah, in the month true. of September that you can't find time Priorities. to take your spouse. Priorities, Priorities. Right? And if you haven't been the last couple of months, we're challenging you to do that now. Our whole purpose for By Design is to encourage and inspire marriages. Now, from there, I want to I want to go to a news story that I found yet, late yesterday afternoon on American Family News, and that the the website there is afn.net. It's afn.net, which stands for American Family News. And there's a story there that you'll find where our news team interviewed the um and interviewed the attorney, that's it, the attorney for Tanner Cross. Tanner Cross, some of our mm-hmm. audience may be familiar with that name. He was one who was um, suspended for speaking up at a public school um, open conversation. Yeah, it's a school board meeting. School board meeting. He was, uh, he was suspended for that. Now, he was shortly after that reinstated. This was uh, in Loudoun County, Virginia. Yep, Loudoun County, Virginia. Uh, back in May, and he was suspended, and then he was reinstated. But what I wanted to point out when our uh, – the reason that I'm uh, bringing this up is because he was not only reinstated, but he will continue as he challenges the policy that got him susp- su- got him suspended in the first place. Hmm. And our news team called up and interviewed his attorney, and his attorney from ADF is Logan Spina, and he said this, quote, the next part of Tanner Case's case is going to be about the policy and saying that even though a school has some leeway in adopting policies for that goes on at their school, they cannot compel teachers to say things that they believe are not true or harmful to students, as a policy does when it compels teachers to use pronouns that are inconsistent with student uh, students uh biological sex and i say all that to say is the reason i wanted to point to bring that up and to point it out is is for this is that there's two reasons one is that yet again we have an example of a christian who is standing up in a public arena for truth and god granting them victory Hmm. okay and number two and most importantly is that I love this uh, Tanner Cross's tenacity and his pursuit for justice. That he was not just satisfied with them doing what they correcting what they did wrong in the first place. Yeah. But yet he's pursuing it so far so that he's standing in the gap for all public school teachers in the Loudoun County area and in Virginia, for that matter, so that they will have the ability to continue on practicing their free speech and living out their faith in the public schools. And we need more. Tanner Cross said, "Do you know? Did y'all know this when I when I was looking into this? Uh, now this is old news for some, and it's new. It was new to me. But did you know in the moment that Tanner Cross made this public stance? You know his his church went public in support of him. Yes, you North, remember that in Northern Virginia. Yeah, Northern Virginia. We not we don't just need pastors who say when they come to me, I'll I'll get involved. Yeah. We need more churches like Tanner Cross's church that publicly backed him. Because what good That's does so it true. do? That's so true. What good does it do if a if a church says or a pastor says, "Well, if they come in here, we know we won't let them have our pulpit." Mm-hmm. Look, we need to stand in the gap for all. And so, on American Family Radio, I wanted to make a point that we stand with Tanner Cross in his fight there, and we're proud of him. And we actually have a short clip that I wanted to play, clip seven. And this is to set this up. This is my pawpaw. 
who uh, is in who we were listening to the other day from a sermon that he gave that it reminded us that even though it may be difficult and even though we may lose more than we win or at least it feels like that at times that our responsibility is to always continue to pursue faithfulness and not look at the results and leave the results up to God. Clip seven. Charlie was the stubbornest person I've ever been around. We'd wrestle and fight. You ever do that? No, you girls didn't. Y'all don't understand. But anyway, what we used to do is wrestle and you you make them say uncle. I mean, you'd win with the one that make the other say uncle. They'd win. And we'd wrestle all the blooming time. And I'd whip him every time. And but he was bigger than me, but it didn't matter. But he never would say uncle. I'd take his arm and I'd push that arm. I'd do everything. I, it would hurt him. I didn't want to hurt him too bad, but... <laughs> But he wouldn't say uncle. He just wouldn't do it. And I thought about that. Are we going to win this battle? I don't know. Now, I'm supposed to say, yeah, let's go get him. Hooray. Right? I'd be lying to you. I don't know. I don't know. But we don't have to say uncle unless we want to. We can keep on fighting. Win or lose. I'd rather go down the tubes fighting for a good cause than to give up for something that's going to ruin our society. And Bill, there's no glory in it either, is it? The reason I say that is because Bill just like the rest of us. When the last time you got discouraged? I used to talk with the Lord. It, it doesn't do any good, so I quit doing it later. <laughs> I used to say, Lord, get me out of this place. Turn me loose and let me go somewhere else. I'm tired of it. I'm worn out. Let me go. And he never would do it. You fight the media, you fight the lies, and you fight the powers that be. The odds are against you, and the money is against you, everything's against you. You get worn out. The older you get, you come to the place where, you know, I don't know how it's going to come out. I care how it's come out, but knowing how it's going to come out and not going to come out is not going to affect what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what's right, what I think is to be right, what I think the Lord wants me to do, and whatever happens, happens. Forget it. One of these days we're going to face the Lord, and I'm a sinner. You may think I'm a saint, but ask my wife. <laughs> Bill, you're talking about holiness. I'm a Methodist. Don't y'all hold that against me, but. A man by the name of John Wesley, in one of his sermons, you have to remember who John Wesley is, and I don't know how much you know about John Wesley, but he reshaped England socially as well as spiritually. Wesley said, I know no holiness but social holiness. What he meant by that was, I know no holiness that's not applied to your society. Mm. Yes, and that was Don Wildman, Walker and I call him Pawpaw. Mm. That was mine and Walker's Pawpaw, Don Wildman, the founder of American Family Association. 1996. Yep, 1996. audio clip was recorded. And you know what, Walker, when I was listening to that the other day and I heard it, I wanted to um, conclude this segment with, a reminding of Tanner Cross's uh, most recent success, Pawpaw's challenge to keep remaining faithful regardless of what the odds are against you, mm. and remind our audience of a handful of uh, people, both men and women in Scripture, who also fulfilled that. Remember, Daniel stood against the sin, specifically the king's immorality, and became known as the person of integrity who served government with excellence. Mm. That was in Daniel. Joseph influenced the entire land of Egypt according to God's will. You can see that in the book of Genesis. Nehemiah served the king, yet he was part of a spiritual awakening. Esther served as a queen, 
yet fast yet fasted and prayed for three days and begged the king to save the Jewish people. John the Baptist spoke against Herod's sin while he was baptizing in the river, uh, calling people to repentance. Two more, Paul shared the gospel with the government leaders of his day while serving as a missionary, and Jesus, our ultimate um, person to look at for sure, corrected the Pharisees of his day, which were the politicians of on several occasions. We can see that over and over again. Mm. So no, for those 5% out there listening that think we're trying to build a, uh, a state church, a, a theocracy. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. You missed the point. The point is, is that as Christians, we see a huge a list of examples of influencing where you are for the purpose of God's glory, because how how can it be that we fulfill the Great Commission if we don't not only say it, but live it as well? Yeah, that's exactly right. And and we know, well, we can pretty much get everyone to agree, every Christian to agree, that our role as believers is to be salt and light. Yes. Then the question arises, well, are we supposed to be salt and light everywhere we are, everywhere we're placed, and in every aspect and part of society? Are we supposed to just be salt and light in certain areas, in mm. certain little pockets? Now, I think we all know, Bobby, the answer to that is we're supposed to be salt and light wherever we are, wherever we're placed, and in every situation, including when we go to the ballot box. Yeah, absolutely. There, There's no differentiation uh, that Jesus put forth that says, only here or only there. <laughs> yeah. No, it's everywhere. Yeah. We, we That light does not get... Sh- get put out unless we put the light mm. under the bushel basket. That's right. Psalm so. thirty three twelve says this, Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his inheritance. And it's our responsibility wherever you are, for those that are listening, for the school teachers that are listening, for those that are truck drivers, for those that are serving in science, yeah. those who are serving on the mission field, wherever you are as Christians, remember, we have an ultimate destination and that's heaven and in the meantime we have to occupy that which god's given us that's right and we have so many examples we brought them to the show yesterday and today of tanner cross of the church in la grace community Amen. church a texas lawmakers wow. standing up for Praise what's god. right and actually winning yes actually winning that doesn't whether we win or not shouldn't drive us but the fact is that when you fight you have a chance to win god on grants god's us victory side. all right wesley thanks bro hey i enjoyed it thanks for having me on afa at the core We'll be back in a few minutes with more. Disney Junior has stooped to a new low, this time targeting toddlers. Muppet Babies aired an episode titled Gonzo Rella, where Gonzo, a boy, is disappointed that he has to go to the ball as a knight instead of a princess. Of course, Gonzo's fairy rat father helps him achieve his dream, and the episode goes on to affirm Gonzo's choice to cross-dress. Tell Disney you won't support their attempts at normalizing gender dysphoria to young children. Sign the pledge today at onemillionmoms.com. When you hear this... 
This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to her remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now, these two women, they didn't grow bitter. They grew bold, and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleist believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20, every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. The Word of God tells us many times in one form or another, fear not. Today in the world, many people are very fearful about some of the many perils and dangerous happenings that are going on in the world. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 tell us, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. I'm Joseph Parker, and we here at the American Family Association would like to remind you, fear not, put your trust in the Lord. We'd like to both encourage and challenge you to aggressively put your faith to work. And one way to do that is to pray Psalm 91 daily for yourself and your family and keep your trust in Him. If you'd like to get a copy of the Psalm 91 prayer for yourself, email us here at psalm91 at afa.net. Again, that's psalm91 at afa.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at afr.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core, last segment for today's show. Glad to have you with us today. Our website is AFR.net, AFR.net, and when you get to the homepage there, you can uh, you can either do one of two things. You can see my latest podcast, which will be there on the homepage uh, towards the bottom, or you can click on the podcast button at the top of the menu bar and click on the AFA at the Core podcast and find all of my most recent shows there listed on our website at AFR. Uh, .net. You can do a similar thing on the app by just going to the AFA at the Core podcast on the app and clicking to listen to the latest show. Uh, before uh, we went into the last segment, and I mentioned a little bit of these stories uh, before I introduced my brother for that segment, but um, one thing I did want to mention is a uh, the most recent data out of Israel. And uh, Israel's in a very tough spot now. Because Israel is the most vaccinated uh, nation or country in the world for their adult population. Over 80% of adults in Israel are fully vaccinated. 26% of those have had three jabs. 
meaning they've had the booster shot uh, that was just released a couple weeks ago. And um, here are their July numbers, all right? And this is data pulled directly from the Israeli um, Health Ministry government website, Ministry of Health in Israel, their website. For July, these cases are documented for July 4 through July 31. And of the cases, 15,634 of the cases were were amongst fully vaccinated. 3,038 were among unvaccinated. All right, so that's 15,634. So when you break it down into percentages, 86% of cases in the month of July in in Israel, 86% of them were amongst the fully vaccinated crowd, the fully vaccinated uh, group. And this is not what we're hearing everywhere else. You know, we're hearing uh, that, that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, uh, that everybody going into the hospital, well, they're unvaccinated. And we're hearing all these 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 political talking points out there and these these what are supposed to be mic drops, um, but there's no data behind it. Like, there is literally no data behind it. Uh, we're hearing governors go, uh, 99% of hospitalizations are amongst the unvaccinated, but they don't show us the data sets. They just say that, and then they walk off from the podium. And everybody's like, wow, that's convincing. Uh, but there's no data sets to go along with it. And I mentioned last week uh, that the CDC is basically not tracking breakthrough cases anymore. Uh, they're not providing quality data when it comes to breakthrough cases. Uh, so we don't really know what we don't know. Well, what we do know is Israel is the most vaccinated country in the world, and they are having a huge problem with COVID. 86% of new cases in Israel for the month of July was amongst the fully vaccinated group. Um, so that uh, really brings a little bit of, um, uh, really brings some questions about what we're being told here in the U.S. Uh, and I told you guys a few weeks ago, I said there's something fishy about this data. There's something questionable about this data. Uh, they're saying, uh, they're doing these mic drop statements about how Uh, This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, and if everybody will just get the jab, this will all go away, Um, and that that the vast majority of people in hospitals are unvaccinated. I told you guys uh, this was fishy. There's something up. I couldn't put put my finger on it, but uh, Israel is is helping to guide and direct us here, so that's the latest data out of Israel. Came across this other study, not a study, this is a story out of Ohio, Um, and I'm not going to read much of this article because it's from a left-wing publication. I basically can't stand it. Um, but I had to I had to print it off because they covered it in the most detail. Um, this this is about a lawsuit over a hospital administering ivermectin to a critically ill patient. And this wife, by the name of Judy Smith, her husband was in the hospital, critically ill. He went into the hospital. Um, he tested positive on July 9th. He got put in intensive care unit on July 15th. And then um, on July 27, his health began to decline. And by August 1, hospital personnel had him sedated and on a ventilator. The hospital staff went on to say that he has about a 30% chance of surviving. So this entire time, the wife, Judy Smith, is begging 
the hospital, she already had a prescription for ivermectin. She was begging the hospital, the nurses, to just simply administer it. You know, guys don't have to prescribe it. At least just give it to my husband. He's critically ill. He's about to die. Give my husband ivermectin. Well, they refused. So she had to file a lawsuit with this hospital, and she won. She won, and the judge told the hospital to administer ivermectin to her husband, who was in ICU on a ventilator. Um, so they ended up having to do it. Uh, she just won this case uh, within the last few weeks, and um, I, I don't know the latest. I haven't. I, I don't know the latest about his health in the ICU. But nonetheless, uh, that's absurd. That here, here someone is on death's doorstep, pretty much with a third, a seventy percent chance of death, critically ill, with no other options left other than to sit there and lay in a, on a ventilator, and the the hospital would not give him ivermectin. I mean, that's just mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling. He had a prescription. He had a perfectly legal, valid prescription from a doctor, uh, but they wouldn't give him ivermectin. Absolutely insane, uh, but she ended up prevailing in that lawsuit. Uh, on the Texas case, uh, by the way, Texas is the most pro-life state in the nation, by the way. Uh, Texas is the most pro-life uh, state in the nation. Uh, they passed a law uh, a little while back on a heartbeat bill, and the Supreme Court said yesterday, you know, they first they didn't they didn't respond, but yesterday finally the Supreme Court came out in a five four decision and said we're not intervening, we're not intervening in the Texas case. So Texas is the most pro life state in the country. They have uh, they just eliminated eighty five percent of abortions in a day uh, because of their law, a heartbeat law, which means if a heartbeat is detected, uh, that um, it, uh, the, the child's life cannot be terminated. The child cannot be uh, murdered in the womb if they have a heartbeat detected. Uh, jumping forth to the uh, situation in Afghanistan, I've got a couple of clips I'm going to play here. Um, I'm not a big fan of this this whole intel- intelligence community, uh, deep state leaking of phone calls. Uh, we saw this under the Trump administration. Uh, they kept leaking President Trump's phone calls with foreign leaders, and it's absolutely absurd, it's blatantly illegal, and it violates federal law to leak confidential classified phone calls with foreign leaders, Uh, but they're doing this to Biden too. Uh, The deep state is doing this to President Biden, which I don't like President Biden, I don't like his policies, uh, but I think what the intelligence community and the deep state is doing here is wrong and should be defended, should be uh, rather not defended, should be fended off. Uh, I'm going to play, um, this is uh, Jen Psaki, the White House Press Secretary, clip three, talking about uh, defending Biden's phone call and saying how, well, I'm not going to elaborate on private conversations. Clip three. Was the president in any way pushing a false narrative in that call with the Afghan president? I think it's pretty clear. Again, I'm not going to go into details of a private conversation, but what we saw over the course of the last few months is a a collapse in leadership. And that was happening even before Ghani left the country. What the president has conveyed repeatedly, privately, and publicly is you need to stand up and lead your country. And that's something he said at a press conference in July in public forum as well. All right. Well, that's Jen Psaki talking about how she's not going to elaborate on the phone call that President Biden had with the former disgraced Afghani president, Ghani. She's not going to talk about that because, after all, that's that's a conversation between the president of, of two nations, of two countries. And she said, I'm just not going to elaborate on that. Well, flashback to President Trump's days 
and his phone calls. She put out a tweet in September of 2019, you know, after all the Ukrainian phone call transcript got leaked by the intelligence community or someone in the, in the, in the, in the bureaucracy. She says, uh, Jen Psaki tweets this about President Trump's phone call. It's not just the call transcript. The whistleblower complaint would likely have more details. We need both and not just the call. <laughs> That's Jen Psaki saying we need Trump's call. We got to get Trump's call and we need the transcript. We need the whistleblower complaint too. We need it all, Jen Psaki says, when it comes to President Trump and his phone calls with foreign leaders. But when it comes to Biden, well, that's that's a that's a conversation between two world leaders, and I'm just not going to go into detail there. I'm just not going to go into detail there. Um, so the hypocrisy is astounding. By the way, I mentioned yesterday this Afghan interpreter who helped rescue uh, President Biden, uh, then Senator Biden, in 2008 in Afghanistan. Well, we've got another clip here, and this is of a, another interpreter. Um, uh, his name is Abdul Rashid Siraj, and he's talking about how he knows of hundreds, hundreds of allies stuck in Afghanistan. And by the way, this is on CNN. So consider uh, consider where this was allowed to air. Clip six, let's listen. I'm in contact with most of the people that are left behind in Afghanistan, and they keep calling me, and they keep asking me that uh, I'm already in the U.S., and they want me to talk to the people who are in charge and, uh, and here, you know, to make a way to get them out of Afghanistan, you know, you know, they're still in, in trouble. They're still uh, their lives are in danger. So they keep uh, they keep uh, sending me messages. They keep calling me, you know, and they keep asking for help. How many people who help the United States that, you know, and who are still in Afghanistan, how many of them have heard from the State Department about being helped to get out? Uh, we were uh, around 700 people in one group. You know, we had a telegram group named Alba Afghan Left Behind the Station. So just I got out, you know, just I made it. The other ones, they're still left, left behind. Have they heard from the United States government in the last few days? They, no, they didn't. You know, that's their concern. You know, they're like, keep telling me like they, they haven't received anything from the U.S. Department of States. Well, that's a clip, and that's actually, that's 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 maddening. Uh, that's an Afghan interpreter who made it to the U.S. in Virginia. He's sitting in Virginia doing this CNN interview, and Chris Cuomo says, um, "Have you, have your friends, hundreds of them, um, that worked with U.S. soldiers on the ground that were U.S. allies, have they heard from the State Department about getting out of Afghanistan?" And his answer is no. They haven't heard from anyone in an official capacity for the U.S. government about evacuating them from Afghanistan. So this, you know, this is impeachable. This is impeachable. And that's 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 like the mildest of uh, a punishment that could come with this. Uh, this is impeachable. Because the, the, we have we have Afghan allies, we have U.S. citizens still in Afghanistan. And this is a complete debacle. This is a complete debacle. And President Biden says, I take full ownership of it. I take full ownership of the tragedy of the debacle. And they, they impeached Trump over a phone call with the Ukrainian leader. I mean, this is how absurd these people are. This is how brazen they are. Uh, President Trump got impeached over a phone call. And 
Um, here we have President Biden completely um, mishandling and it actually intentionally making bad decisions that are not in the best interest of our troops and our military and our allies. And here he is still in the White House. Here he is still in the White House. And the media is giving him cover. And actually, Mitch McConnell is giving him cover. I saw a, a press statement yesterday from Mitch McConnell, the, the Senate Majority Leader. Well, now the Senate Majority Leader. And he is he said, oh, no, no, uh, uh, pr President Biden will not be impeached. We will not impeach President Biden. Really? How can you definitively say that? No, no, no. President Biden will not be impeached. Well, if it was Trump in office, he'd be going, oh, well, we'll just have to see where the facts lead. We'll just have to see where the facts lead. No, they, they defend Republican leadership, the swamp. They defend Democrats more earnestly and with more fervor than they do their own party members. And that's what's so, that's why people get so fed up with these rhinos, these Republicans in name only, is because they don't defend their own party members um, who are fighting for the same causes and values that they are. But uh, here we have Biden over here make, making a disaster of our country and getting 13 U.S. Marines and, and other service members killed in, in Afghanistan, in Kabul. And he goes, oh, no, no, we're not going to impeach him. Um, which is, I don't know how you can say that definitively. No, 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 he's not going to get impeached unless they're trying to protect the swamp, which is what they're known for doing. A couple other things on this same topic. Um, well, there's the music. <laughs> but th this is on the heels of the White House saying that they're, they're willing to give aid to the Taliban. They're willing to give foreign financial aid beyond what we've already left them to the Taliban and to Afghanistan. And we've still got Afghan allies and American citizens on the ground and we're already talking about giving them aid. Who are we? We're the worst negotiators in world history. We're talking about giving billions to the Afghans and and, and the, the corruption is, is, is blatant. Maybe we'll do a whole show on the corruption in Afghanistan with all the leaders. Um, but our White House is talking about, yeah, we might give them some money, sure. Why don't we get our allies and our American citizens back? How about that novel idea? AFA at the core. By the way, I'll negotiate on behalf of the U.S. government. AFA at the core. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.